Welcome, Willow Park Church. Thank you for joining us online. And of course, we know the news and we've communicated the news with you that we've been asked by Dr. Bonnie Henry not to meet. So all churches in British Columbia have been closed to acts of worship. And we are now moving all of our content, all of our communication online. Now, the good news is, of course, for Willow Park Church is that we've been here before. We've invested in the equipment and we are able to connect with you uh, continually on Sunday mornings live, live preaching, sharing with you, praying with you and engaging with your journey with Jesus through this current lockdown and this current change. So can I encourage you to uh, push in with the Lord? Can I encourage you to know that that the Lord is with us at this time? This is a unique moment. I mean, in the last lockdown, churches, small churches of 50 continued to meet and they just carried on. Whereas large churches had to change and we had to adjust and work out protocols and how to do that. And of course, we did that successfully. And Willow Park Church, we were averaging what? 400 uh, people coming to our dwell groups every weekend. It was amazing. You volunteered, you stepped up, you got involved. I was so blessed by the the enthusiasm and the commitment of our church family. But now change has come again. Yes, but the Lord is in control. This is no surprise to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And as we step into this time of worship, I just want to assure you that the Lord is with us, that he's the Alpha and the Omega, that he was, he is, and he is to come. That is our Lord. And so we can sit at this time knowing that whatever is taking place across our province and across our country, that God is with us, that God is guiding us, and that we can connect in that deeper way with that intimacy with Jesus Christ. We will be communicating a lot more with you as a congregation over this month. We'll be letting you know of different opportunities for you to connect in, different opportunities for Bible study online, different opportunities for equipping you. And we just want to be available and connected to you. So watch out for all of that information. And I know that uh, as a church family, we will travel through this next period knowing that, that, that the Lord is guiding us and leading us. So as we begin our worship, let me pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather online. What a gift this is. What a gift online uh, church is. That in this day and age, we can listen to worship, engage in your goodness. And I pray, Lord, that for everyone that is joining us this morning, that you will bless them and encourage them. That, Lord, that the worship will minister to their heart as they take this time for a quiet time. May you be with them and speak to them. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Jordan's going to lead us in worship now.
Good morning, Willow Park Church. We're so grateful that you are here with us wherever you are. We are excited to worship. We just want you to enter in however you feel comfortable. Um, just watching, just listening, maybe singing, standing, sitting, walking around your living room or wherever you're at. We just, we just want this time to be a time of worship, a time of praise, and a time of centering our hearts uh, fully on, on God. So why don't we sing together?
us, God. It's you who give us life. It's you who give us our breath. It's you who give us what we see around us, where we are. Every good and perfect gift comes from you, God. Beginning and the end, beginning and the end. 
just want to declare that you are the name above all names. You are worthy of all our praise. You are the great God. We want to give you our worship and our praise and our adoration because you are worthy of it. You are far above everything else and you deserve our praise. We want to give that to you this morning with our whole and full hearts for your glory. How great is our God? What a great way to finish, to remind us how great our God is. This is the moment where we're going to take communion together and you may want to go and gather some elements as you prepare communion. While you do that, let me take a moment just to share some thoughts about online church. I think it's really important that, number one, we create a rhythm of meeting. And when we watch online church, it's up to us how we choose to approach it. The way I like to approach it is simply to have it on, to sit down, to allow the worship to play, have my Bible, have my journal, and just spend that worship time as a, as a time also of worship and prayer. Not necessarily always watching, but listening and engaging and trying to create that link of communing with the Lord. And then, of course, we step into the teaching of the word. And God's word promises that every time we preach, something will speak to us and something can make a difference. And as Pastor Glenn preaches at the South and I preach here at Highway 33 this weekend, I really do believe that the messages will encourage you and will speak to you. But we have to have that openness. We have to be willing to have our heart, that that plowed field, if you like, or that field that is open to the seed of the word of God to drop into our lives and to change us. You know, we remember a lot more when we write things down, 70%. And I'll be sharing a little bit about that. Uh, in the sermon but we remember what we write down more than just what we hear and that's why it's often important as you're listening to a message to write things down and allow the Lord to take those thoughts that you've written and enlarge them and bring them closer and that process of listening and writing can often take us to a deeper level and realization with the Lord and a fresh Knowledge and the fresh revelation. Just some ideas to create that holy space around online church. And remember, where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there. So as you're there with your family and friends, he'll be there with you. But let's take communion. The bread reminds us. And continually speaks to us. It speaks of the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. It speaks of the goodness of God. And his willingness to reach out and to rescue humanity. 
But it speaks of Christ's ultimate sacrifice. Being willing to be our substitute. Being willing to take our place. Being willing to pay the price. And so, Father, we thank you for the bread. And that Jesus' body was broken for us. Then thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to embrace that. And you were willing to step in. And that your body was broken so that we could be healed. By your stripes, we are healed. And we thank you for this. The body of Christ, which is broken for you, eat it in remembrance of him. Right the way through the time from the tabernacle to the temple, the second temple, of course, there were sacrifices. The blood of animals was shed to signify the forgiveness of sins. And, but the blood of animals and sacrifices were never enough. Never paid the price. Could never meet the need for the great universal problem of sin. But the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, was now to the cross and his blood was shed to take away the sins of the world. And you are now forgiven and you and I are cleansed because of the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ that takes away the sins of the world. Father, we thank you for this holy moment as we've taken the bread and the wine. And we just want to pause for a moment and allow you to minister to us. The peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. We're now going to go over to the Willow One News. And then after that, you'll be hearing the message for today. So may the Lord bless you. Thanks for joining us online in these very different days of change. Bless you. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Thank you for joining us at Church Online. Here is your family news. Many of you already know that because of the rising cases of COVID-19 in our province, we are no longer able to gather in person. That means that our in-person dwell gatherings on Sundays, our weekly youth nights, and Kids Club has now been cancelled. Our Ladies Christmas Brunch has also been cancelled. 
The Gingerbread in a Manger family event has not been canceled yet, so please stay tuned for more information in the next couple weeks. We thank you so much for your patience and your understanding during this time. As always, please pay attention to our website, our Facebook and Instagram, and your inbox for more updates. On another note, there is nothing we love more than Christmas here at Willow Park Church, and this year we are bringing the gift of Christmas to our community. Our first project was to sew and fill stockings for people in our community who are vulnerable and alone this holiday season. If you have made some stockings, please drop them off this week at the church office, Monday through Thursday between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. We are also going to be bringing the sights and sounds of Living Nativity to communities around Kelowna and Lake Country. There are many ways you can volunteer. We need carolers, mannequins, a setup crew, construction crew, and neighborhood organizers. Learn more about how you can get involved at willowparkchurch.com slash giftofchristmas. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. Let me say again, welcome to our online service, and I'm grateful that you have joined us. Of course, now we're uh, not allowed to have any uh, gatherings, dwell gatherings of groups of 50 or less uh, because of an order that we received this week. And all the churches across British Columbia have had to change and have had to go online as a result of that order. So it's important that in our own journey that we keep ourselves focused on the main thing. And that is our relationship with Jesus. And already, as you know from uh, the Willow One News, we've got so much taking place. There's opportunity with the stockings to be able to engage in the community. Listen, just because the church doors are closed to gatherings of 50 or less, it does not mean that the mission of the gospel does not stop. It means we continue. It means we carry on. It means we keep loving on our community. It means we keep caring and showing the love of God to the world. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the amount of uh, Christmas stockings that have come into our office already. And many of you have still got patterns and are working on those. And we are blessed and excited by your participation and your partnership with us in this uh, unique mission. You know, we're going to make 40 of them for Metro Community. Over 200 for the gospel mission, for the women's shelter, for different areas, the pregnancy care center. We're going to make these wonderful stockings up and fill them with little gifts and uh, meaningful expressions of the love of God to these people. What an opportunity.
Well, although we're in a kind of half lockdown at the moment, it doesn't mean either that we stop our plans towards living nativity on the move. And very soon you're going to receive an email with an option to sign up for different nights where you can go into the community, you can sing, you can serve, you can be a mannequin, you can help steward and, and guide us around the different housing areas where we're going to go. What a beautiful gift. I have no idea what will happen on Christmas Eve. This time of shutdown may go for two weeks, it may go for double that, or it may go longer. But we want to keep pushing in and keep reaching our community. The one thing that I have appreciated about this time is our ability to start to look out and to reach out into our community. So if you can hold a tune, if you can sing, if you want to be a mannequin, if you would like to help with the technical crew or just help with the logistics, or if you can pick up a hammer and a saw and help build a small set that's going on the back of a trailer, then we need your help. That when you receive that letter, we need you to log on and and give us an evening or give us a few evenings that you feel that you're able to engage with our community. And that will make such a massive difference to us. I guess my, um, my unique gifting of pastor and evangelist are kind of coming together at these times. That, that, that gifting that I love the sheep, I love nothing better than being with people. You know, one of the most depressing things I have done through this period is look at my Instagram and go right the way back and start to look at the pictures of our banquets, look at the pictures of our prayer events, look at the pictures of, of crowds gathering for living nativity. It's almost hard to believe that we had such wonderful banquets, so full of people, that we had so many people passing through our church. And now, of course, this scattering has taken place. But what I want to encourage you, that even if you look back to what was and go, oh, you feel the pain, you feel... The disappointment, you feel the agony of that. I want to encourage you that we look forward to what God has. I've been meditating on this verse. That when um, blue thoughts come in, the sense of, of d- thoughts that are kind of make me feel low or depressed or negative. I've been reminding myself that verse in Revelation. Holy, 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 Lord Almighty, who was who is and is to come. That was was. We are now in the is, but God has something to come in the future. That God is with us and that God will be will guide us and, and lead us. I, I contacted uh, a friend of mine in the United Kingdom who spoke about over 200 pastors that he's in contact with and, and the feelings that they're going through. Some of them are going through a profound sense of depression. Some of them are experiencing um, real fractures with their congregations because of the pain. And, and people want this, people believe this, people are becoming polarised. And some are even starting to feel um, suicidal, which is a, a really sad thing. 
But I want to encourage you that we need, like Peter, to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and keep praying. And even as we look towards um, <clears throat> Christmas, our big prayer meeting will be the last Monday of the month. I think it's the 30th of November. And what we want to do is pray for all of these Christmas outreaches. We want to pray that God will move across our city in power and in revival. So as we step now, and I want to pray for us, as we step now into this teaching, I want to encourage you because I will touch on revival. I will touch on what it takes to see a move of God in a city or in a province. But as we pause, let's reaffirm again our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's reaffirm our commitment that we are here to follow him completely. That we are picking up our cross and that we are following Jesus and we are not for turning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning that we can gather online. We thank you for all the wonderful things that we're able to do despite uh, this order. And we thank you, and I thank you for the many homes that this morning have logged on and are open to your word and to listening to your voice. And I pray, Lord, that you will come now and that you will speak to us and challenge us by your word in Jesus' name. Amen. The question I have this morning, as we finish our hidden uh, series, Our Lives in Jesus, based on Colossians 3 verse 3, that we would hide ourselves in Christ Jesus. The question I have is how do we go deeper? How do we go farther? How do we hide ourselves in the Lord Jesus? And we've talked about fellowship. We've talked about listening to the whisper. We've talked about the power that there is in, in silence, in meditation, on scripture. We've talked about just the whole idea of pursuing God, not just having the crumbs, but having the bread of heaven. That we want to pursue God with all our heart. Are we hungry for God to work in our lives? Are we desperate to see God moving? As I said in one sermon, are we like that hunter who is willing to stalk down and chase after God and be willing to find God in the most surprising places. But what is the path to really going deeper with God? And that's what I wanted to talk to you about. What is the secret path that takes us deep towards God? What is that secret path within our lives, within our spiritual journey? What is the route that we have to take to get to that? Well, it's a word we don't often like, but I always see it as a beautiful word. The path that we have to take that is a secret path to God's presence is the way of repentance. Because repentance leads to something really important. Repentance leads to death. What do I mean by death? Well, repentance means to death of myself. That if I really want to connect with the presence of God in my life, and, and truthfully, I think if we are Jesus followers, 
and we are disciples of Jesus, every one of us should have a desire to go absolutely deeper in our intimacy and our knowledge and our closeness with God. But we have to be willing to walk a path that is sometimes very challenging. It's challenging to our flesh. It's challenging to our self. It's challenging to sin. The middle letter letter in sin is I. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. But we have to change that focus from I to him. To I am who I am. That our focus becomes completely on the Lord Jesus Christ within our lives. So we often want to know God. We often want to know his presence. We often want to know his glory within our lives. But at times we just do not feel that glory. At times we feel dried out. We feel worn out. We feel burnt out. We feel broken. We feel as if life, well, it's just where is Jesus? Let me take you back to a man in the scriptures. The most significant individual, I believe, in the Old Testament, Moses. And then, of course, Elijah and David. But let me take you back to Moses. Moses had received the pattern of the tabernacle. He knew that God was building something remarkable. He knew that God was building a cathedral in the desert. But this cathedral in the desert, I guess he knew, heart of hearts, that it was a shadow of something to come. That Moses probably was aware that the greatness and the glory of God was something that couldn't just be held in a tent in the wilderness. But there was something greater coming. He probably sensed that there was a greater glory coming into the world. And you can imagine him as he follows the pattern that God gave him for the tabernacle. You can imagine himself asking the question, but for the globe, for the world, for the known world, how can God show his glory? We see this lovely moment in Exodus 33. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thy name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. I love it in the King James Version. Show me thy glory. It's got that depth. It's got that strength. Moses says, show me your glory. I need you to move. How many of us have prayed that prayer? God, come close to me. God, I want to know you afresh. I've certainly prayed that. God, show me your glory in your life. I mean, for each one of us, are we not hungry for the glory of God, that God would move and work in our lives? God, show me your glory. You can hear Moses. You can imagine Moses on the mountain with his beard and standing there in a kind of epic, film epic way I imagine but he's standing there Lord show me your glory and the Lord turns to him I beseech you show me your glory and he said thou cannot see my face for there shall no man see me and live in other words you can't see my face without dying dead men see the glory of God Dead men see the glory of God. Dead men see the glory of God. 
Now think about that. He's built the tabernacle. And the tabernacle is a sign of things to come. As you enter through the gate, which is Jesus. As there is the brazen altar, which is the sacrifice, which is the cross. As there is the transformation of the laver with all the mirrors, which represents that inner transformation of inner sanctification as we examine ourselves. As we move into the inner tent where the, where the candlestick burns, which represents the spirits of the Holy Spirit that is present and at work. And then into the holy of holies. Amazing. But actually, spiritually to go deeper with God, we have to be willing to lose ourselves. We have to be willing to die. And we can only really know the deepness of God if we are willing to die to ourselves. If we are willing To say, for I no longer live, but Christ that lives within me. Only dead men can see the glory. And in our life, in the New Testament now, the truth is that only dead men can see the glory of God. That only those that are willing to lay down their life and say, for I no longer live, as the Apostle Paul said, but I no longer live, but Christ that lives within me. I've been reading recently about the revival in Argentina, 1950s, particularly the writings of Dr. Miller. And he describes a group of 40 students who start to pray for their country. They start to pray that God will move in power. They start to pray. And that praying, he describes, turns into weeping. And he describes how the students day after day had tears running down their faces. And those tears on their face turned to puddles on the floor. As they they repented and as they sought God's face and as they prayed for their government and as they prayed for their cities and as they prayed for their nation they wept they prayed in that bible school where they gathered 40 50 of them day after day seeking god saying lord i truly want your presence but what was going on there he writes that they were repenting And as they were repenting, they were pushing back the principalities and powers. He writes that as they were seeking God's voice and as they were repenting on behalf of the nation, repenting of the injustice in the in the country, repenting of the evil and the corruption that was in the government, repenting of all that was taking place in the nation of Argentina. As they as they repented at that moment, fast forward eighteen months, and one hundred and eighty thousand people gathered. In a prayer meeting, in a stadium, to ask God to move in revival. I asked myself this, what was really taking place? Well, what was taking place was that only dead men see the glory and the face of God. In other words, we've got to be willing to die to ourselves. We've got to be willing to throw ourselves on the altar. Yes, Each one of us needs that moment around the burning bush. 
So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. We all need a burning bush experience. For some of us, it happened, as I shared, at camp when we were experienced the touch of God and in that creaky old barn at camp meetings, we experienced God's presence. For some of us, it happened in a gospel meeting, maybe as a guest evangelist came. For some of us, it may have happened in our bedroom as we prayed with our mother or our father as a small child. In many ways... Many of us have experienced the blessing where we've encountered God in power at the burning bush. And that is wonderful. And we love that. We love to have the burning bush experiences. We love the moments when we can celebrate and we can almost dance around the burning bush. We have that encounter where we hear God's voice, when we know his salvation, when we know his power and we know that we are called and we know that God has set us apart. But the truth is, we cannot stay at the burning bush. We have to go to Egypt and set the people free. So if I want to say anything at this point, If you want to know a hidden relationship with God, then each one of us needs to learn to die. Die to ourselves. Go on the path of repentance that always leads to the presence of God. We remember those moments, those glorious meetings, those times around the burning bush. I remember as a young man being at camp, up in North Yorkshire, and, and, and for seven days we would have revival meetings and preachers would come and we would see God move and people would get saved and it was glorious and we loved it. It was magnificent, a lot like the young people experience at the ark, no doubt, when they're there for the weeks and they experience God's power and God's strength and they know God meets with them or, or people experience it at family camp and God is present and at work. But the truth is, we can't stop just dancing around the burning bush. We realize who God is, and that means we have to go out to Egypt. And that's why living nativity on the move is so important, because we're going out to Egypt. That's why building those stockings and sharing the love of Jesus is so important because it gives us opportunity to go to Egypt because the whole journey to Egypt was to let the slaves go free. And in our society, there are so many people who are trapped in the slavery. They are trapped 
in their own anxiety. They are trapped in their own pain. They are trapped in their sin. They are trapped in their lifestyle that brings no happiness. They are trapped in the slavery of materialism. They are trapped in so many different areas. But the message of the gospel and the work of the cross and the work of Jesus Christ who rose on the third day is simply to let the prisoners free and to bring those who in slavery out of slavery and through to the promised land. And the business of the church, even in the middle of a pandemic, is to take people, yes, have our burning bush experience, but yes, let's impact the world. Let's see them set free. And maybe we could be like the Argentine students who were willing to weep, who were willing to cry, who were willing to have puddles of tears around their feet because they so cared for their nation. Why is it that the prayer meeting is the hardest meeting to fill when it should be the most full meeting? When we want to see God turn and work in our nation. You see, it's not about us being blessed. It's not about the gifts that God gives us. It's not all about the toys of the kingdom of God. It's about God himself. See, when I travelled a lot, uh, I always used to bring back toys for my children. I doubt many of them could remember all the toys that I bought. But every time I went and preached somewhere, whether it was in Europe or in North America, when I was working as an evangelist and travelling and speaking, I'd always buy them something special. Something at the airport, something in a small gift shop that captured something of that country or nation. And when I got back, they were always excited. Even today, if I go somewhere, they expect a gift. Mind you, we're not going anywhere at the moment, are we? But they always love a gift. But do you know what I love as a father? It wasn't so much giving the gift It was when one of them climbed up onto my lap, gave me a big hug and just cuddled me, just was with me. It wasn't about the gift. It was about the presence. It's about that connection. And I think in our own lives, we need to make the distinction between between what God can give us and our desire to have intimacy with God. You see, when we lay ourselves at the altar to die, what God is looking for, as in Acts it says, talking about David, is that God is looking for a man after his own heart. That he will do everything I want him to do. And that is the position that each one of us wants to get into. That we are a man after God's own heart. And that we're obedient to do what God is asking us to do. Are you willing? Are you willing to do what God is asking you to do? You see, in the Old Testament, the altar was a pretty bloody place. Sacrificial animals. Lives would be put there and and laid out. There's a lot of death. 
And anybody that understands as you read through Leviticus and you understand, say you read through Leviticus 16, you start to understand the ceremonial process and the sacrifice of dead flesh that was laid on the altar. And dead flesh laid on the altar brought the presence of God and then brought the glory of God into the world. And I've asked myself the question, what is the way in which a Christian dies? Because if I die, I will see the glory of God. If I'm willing to lay down my life, I am more likely to enter into the presence of God more closely. So what is that? What are the things that enables me to go deeper? Three things. First of all, repentance. Repentance is the road to the presence of God. I don't just mean repenting once when you gave your life to Jesus at a gospel mission and you put your hand up. I mean serious repentance that deals with our inner man and our inner brokenness. When I repent, I am dying because I am turning away from myself. I am turning away from my sin and I am repenting. The second thing is humility. We all have to be humbled. We all have to humble ourselves before God. And humility was one of the themes of the hidden series. Pastor Jordan preached on humility. But I, like Christ, have to be willing to become a servant and to lay my life down. And the third one is brokenness. That I am broken because of who I am in my sinfulness. But I am broken and I am willing to admit that I am broken. I am willing to admit for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I am broken. And I think when we lay our lives down in this way, in true repentance, in true humility, in honest brokenness, we will see the glory of the Lord. We will come again because there is something, a connection between our spiritual death and the glory of the Lord. There's a connection between us giving up ourselves And picking up our cross and the presence of God within our lives. That the more I decrease, the more he increases within. And so when we stand at the burning bush, we always have to remember that the burning bush leads to the freedom of slaves. When we stand in the presence of God, we have to remember that the most important thing for us to do is to take our shoes off in the holy presence of God. And for every one of us, we have to be willing to continually humble ourselves and to take our shoes off to the glory of God and to die to ourselves, that we are willing to to surrender. And when we do this, a remarkable thing happens. Revival starts to move. And the glory of the Lord shall, as it was almost prophesied in Numbers chapter 14 and 21, after the people rebelled against God, after they rebelled against Moses, the Lord turned and said, the glory of the God will cover the earth. 
The glory will cover the earth. The glory will cover the earth. What are you believing for? What am I believing for? Am I believing for a Nineveh style of revival? Am I believing that there can be a move of God in our city, in our cities? Like Jonah going to preach at Nineveh. He didn't want to go there, but he went there and and he preached. And for a while, the whole of that Assyrian city was converted by the power and the glory of God as a whole pagan city turned its heart to God. I'm reminded of Nineveh. But I'm also reminded of Nazareth. I've been to that little town. It's not so little these days. I think something in the region of 250,000 people. In fact, exactly two years ago today, I was stood on the mountain where they believed over the Sea of Galilee, where God gave through Jesus, of course, the great commission to go therefore into all the world. And I want to say to you is that the issue with Nazareth was this. They had the greatest preacher that ever lived, Jesus. He read in the synagogue about Isaiah 61. The spirit of the living, the spirit of God is upon me to proclaim good news to the poor. But the greatest revival didn't happen in the hometown of Jesus for one reason. Unbelief. You see, you can have all the religion, you can have all the heritage, you can have even the greatest preacher in the history of the world, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, but you can still have unbelief. We need to get back to the burning bush and see who God is. And then we need to turn our gaze into Egypt. But the way we get to the burning bush is being willing to wander through the wilderness of repentance, of humility and of brokenness. And there, you know, Nazareth would have been the Bible bout. We live in a Bible belt in Kelowna, but we must be very clear that a Bible belt does not mean revival. It just means that there's people that believe, but even those of us that believe can be full of unbelief. We have to be willing to move from unbelief to belief. We have to be willing to walk the way. It's not about our arrogance. It's about our humility. It's about our willingness to acknowledge that we can do nothing without the glory, without the presence of God. We lay down our arrogance. And this is why Paul wrote, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Used to be that in American prisons that when somebody was going to be executed, they would walk down the corridors and everybody in the cells would stand and they would be silent. And they used to call this dead man walking. And out of respect, they would all be silent and 
the dead man walking would walk towards the execution chamber. The truth is this, that this verse is all about us becoming, spiritually speaking, dead men walking. That we are willing, it's not an execution chamber, but we are willing to walk the way towards the altar of God where we lay down our life and we say, I repent. I am broken. And we say, I'm humble towards you, Lord. And the truth is this. The deeper your repentance goes into your soul is the more, is the deeper you connect with the presence of God. The deeper that you and I are aware that we need God in our lives and our willingness to die ourselves. Why? Because in one sense, living flesh, and by flesh I mean our sinful nature, cannot be in the presence of God. You remember the process. The process of the priest that would go into the Holy of Holies. You just have to read Leviticus uh, chapter 16. But as the temple laws developed, what would take place is that the priest would prepare. The high priest would, perhaps on that day of atonement, would kiss his wife and children goodbye because the high priest did not know whether he was going to live or die that day. Because if he was not right and it was not correct, then he would be consumed by the very presence of God. And he would go into the temple and the night before he would stay up all night long. In fact, it's recorded that the priests would read the Torah, the Pentateuch, to that particular priest so that he wouldn't fall asleep because they didn't want him to dream in the night and by dreaming then be sinful. They wanted him to be pure. They wanted him to be blameless. They wanted him right there to be right before God. And then they would take the blood of that sacrificed animal and they would place it on his ears on his thumbs and on his toes to signify that he was dead. Because it was only in that sense that if he was dead, if he was a sacrifice, if he was entering that place, would would the offering be accepted and the glory of the Lord. And then he would come and they would tie a rope around his ankle in case he was struck dead going into the presence of the Lord. And he would get down onto his knees. And by the way, On your knees is the best way to connect with the presence of God. And he would lift up the curtain and he would go under. And in the other hand, he would hold the bowl of hot coals. And as he would hold this, he would take the sweet incense and put it on the coals. And suddenly the whole inner sanctum, the Holy of Holies, would be full of the cloud. And almost in In a blind way, he couldn't see. He would feel as he brought the sacrifice. He would feel because if he saw the glory of the Lord and the smoke was there to stop him from seeing the glory of the Lord because he could die if he saw the glory of the Lord and and the smoke and the incense would fill the inner presence. And he would do and give his sacrifice. 
Why? Because no flesh, living flesh, can enter the glory of God. And I guess what I take from this, sound those sacrificial process, is I realize that if I really want to connect with God, I've got to be willing to die. I've got to be willing to be on my knees. I've got to be willing to have my sinfulness hidden by a cloud. And that cloud is the work of Calvary. That cloud is the work of the cross. That cloud is the blood of Jesus. That cloud is the sacrifice that Jesus Christ gave upon the cross. That is that cloud that comes to me and makes And it enables me, as Hebrew says, to go into the presence of God. And I beseech you, I offer you, to give your lives as a sacrifice, holy and pleasing. We have to be willing to die to our flesh. To live in a state of beautiful repentance. Of divine humility. And learn what it is to walk in brokenness. And then we touch. We commune. Because repentance is always the pathway to God. See, no flesh. No flesh. Let me explain it in three scriptures from the same scripture. From 1 Corinthians 1 verse 29. Paul makes it clear that no flesh should glory in his presence. You see, it's not about our glory, our wants, our own flesh, what we want. Because it's not about my glory. It's about God's glory. It's about his presence. And the great battle of Christianity is that we die to our flesh, we die to ourselves, we die to our sinful nature. And we come again, renewed by God's presence and God's power. What does the NIV say? Helps us understand it. That no flesh should glory in his presence. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. In other words, the presence of God, the presence of God is what we want. But it's not about our flesh so we can boast and be arrogant. It's about our willingness to give our lives over and say, it's not about me. It's not about my fame. It's not about my pride. It's not about my glory. It's not about my arrogance. It's about blessing the Lord. Oh my Lord. It's about blessing the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. That's what the psalm says. It's about bless the Lord, oh my soul. That in everything I would bless the Lord, oh my soul. But so often we turn this little verse, bless the Lord, oh my soul, into oh my Lord, bless my soul. It's not about blessing my soul. (laughs) It's about blessing the Lord. It's about putting our lives on the altar. It's about repentance, humility. And the deeper we repent, the deeper we connect with the presence of God. 
But as Paul said, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. We can only see so much now. We can only connect so much. At times, it's hard to focus. It's hard to know. But I do know that one day we will see his face. We will know him and we will see all things. Can I ask you to go on this journey then? As the beginning of lockdown, in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ? Can we be like John the Baptist who said, he must increase but I must decrease. Only dead men see the glory. And in the New Testament, dead men are those that are willing to pick up their cross and follow Christ. Dead men are those that are willing to take repentance seriously. Dead men are those that are willing to live in humility. Dead men are those that are willing to acknowledge their brokenness. That it's not about arrogance or about my sinful flesh because my sinful flesh stops me from experiencing the glory of God. Thankfully, we don't have to go through all that the priests went through. Thankfully, we have now had an offering on the altar of heaven, the Lamb of God that enables us to seek and go into the presence of God. And can I encourage you Will a one prayer on November the 30th, can we capture the heart of revival? Can we believe for Nineveh or are we going to be like those from Jesus's hometown, full of unbelief? Take a moment, lay your life down. Maybe leave where you are and go for a walk or go to a quiet spot space. Get on your knees like the high priest. Go underneath the curtain. Go into the presence of God and declare that he must increase, but I must decrease. Lord, at this moment, I pray for each one of us as we finish this hidden series that we may truly know what it is to come into your glory, that we may know your presence, that we may decrease so that you may increase. And may you use us powerfully, I pray. Amen. God bless you, Willow Park Church. Keep in touch, keep connected in, and I know that God will use you powerfully in the world. As the church is scattered, let revival come to Jerusalem, to Samaria, to Judea, and to the ends of the earth. It's been great to share with you. Bless you. Bye-bye now.